Hey everyone, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of The Cutting Edge with Jackknife. You can certainly listen to it here on wherever you're getting your podcast from, but in order to fully appreciate my take, head on over to YouTube and search Fat Unathletic Nerds Talking Sports. Until then, enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Cutting Edge with Jackknife. Hmm. I think I need a nicer setup than me just sitting in my office space. Hmm. Holy crap! I'm animated now! And there's cool sports highlights happening behind me! Yeah, I figured if I'm doing this little mini-series, make it more visually appealing than just me sitting in my office chair. Huge shout-out to my good friend Dan Agan for making these graphics for me. If you need a graphic designer, I highly recommend him. Anyway, onto the video. So what do we make of this season for the New York Rangers? I've said this during the podcast numerous times. On paper, and all things considered, this was a good season for the Blue Shirts. They finished four games over 500, well, NHL 500. They finished 10th in goals scored, and, well, they were in the top 10 for few goals allowed until the final few games of the season, but only allowed three more than the 10th place team in Winnipeg. Special teams? Penalty kills also 10th in the league, but remains middle of the pack on the power play. Would like to see some improvement on that end. Ultimately, this team was a victim of circumstance. This crazy season with these insane division alignments ultimately didn't play into their favor. The Mass Mutual East had five teams in there that had playoff or Stanley Cup aspirations. The Bruins, Flyers, Islanders, Penguins, and Capitals. And only four of them were going to the dance. Say what you will about the Flyers, maybe they did underachieve. But if you're a Ranger fan, it's still something to be proud of that you finished ahead of one of those squads. That and they remained mathematically in contention until three games left in the season, and arguably the toughest division in this COVID season. Had this been a normal season, with a normal playoff format, normal division alignments, and a normal number of games, I think the Rangers very well could have forced their way into the playoffs. They almost did the previous year until life came to a screeching halt. On the individual level, let's look at the players. Because Zibanejad got off to a rough start, he had COVID, but ultimately he was able to break out of his slump and turn into the scoring force he was the previous season. Similar thing can be said about goalie Igor Shesterkin. He started off slow, but ultimately found himself as the season went on. Artemi Panarin, despite having an off-the-ice issue that wasn't necessarily in his control, still averaged well above a point per game. Remember. This guy turned down more money because he wanted to be a Ranger. One of the best players in the league. I'd say he's definitely top five. Jacob Truba turned it around this season, and the defense improved mightily for it. In fact, I'd say things went downhill near the end of the season after Matt Martin gave him a concussion, and the defense suffered without him. Remember this hit. I'm going to bring it up again. Keandre Miller finished his first year with a plus nine rating. Capocacco completely turned himself around this year. In his first season, he played very stiff, very timid, afraid to make mistakes. Now he's more involved in plays and had a presence on both ends of the ice as he played a 200-foot game. It's okay to make those mistakes, kid. It's how you're going to grow. As for Alexi Lafreniere, I wouldn't say he necessarily had a good season, but I think we need to cut him some slack considering he didn't have a training camp or preseason to develop like every other first overall pick before him had. As time went on, Laf became more confident and it showed in his play. He was putting the puck in the back of the net more often. Also, he's only 19 years old. He plays a physical style of hockey that requires him to be strong. He's only going to get bigger from this point on. Oh, and don't forget about this guy named Adam Fox. He's nominated for the Norris Trophy. He's kind of a big deal. So those are where I'm optimistic. 
the team is mostly still very young. They have a lot to build off of. Now, what is it that makes me nervous going forward? Contrary to what you might believe, it was not the Tom Wilson incident against the Washington Capitals that exposed the Rangers as a team that you could push around physically. It was that game against the Islanders. <laughs> Allow me to explain. How did the Rangers respond after this hit by Martin? Simple answer. They didn't. They allowed him to steamroll on their best defenseman and let the Islanders take control and set the tone of the game. I already know what you're thinking. But Jack, that was a clean hit. Martin didn't do anything dirty on the play. It was a hard, clean check. And you know what? I agree. I, and I think many Ranger fans who have watched the game for a long time have no issue with that hit. What I have issue with is that they didn't make him or the Islanders pay for it after it happened. At the same time, I can't blame the roster for that. They don't have anyone that can make them pay physically for it. Another topic we will touch later. Look what happened last year when Truba laid out a clean but vicious hit on Michael Dalcol. Clean or not, it was clean. The Isles didn't take lightly to that hit, and John Cabral Bajot immediately dropped the gloves to make Truba answer for hitting his new teammate. Was that the right thing to do? Well, he was given a 10-minute misconduct and the Islanders were hit with an instigator, so probably not the best course of action right in that moment. That being said, the Isles still sent a message that you'll have to answer the bell should you get physical with our guys. The Islanders forced overtime, the Rangers still won, but the Isles didn't allow the Blue Shirts to take complete control of the game. The complete opposite of when the shoe was on the other foot for this hit by Martin. I'm not saying immediately drop the gloves in that moment, look what it did for Pajot, but you have to send a message in that game that you can't take liberties with our guys. But the Rangers didn't, because they don't have guys on the roster that can protect themselves and everyone else. Let's look at what the Maple Leafs did in game one of their series against the Canadians this year after John Tavares got hurt. The next play, Nick Foligno fought the player that injured Tavares and Corey Perry. Yeah, Perry didn't try to knee Tavares in the head, clearly it was an accident, but you can argue Foligno did the right thing in standing up for his captain so that the Habs wouldn't take advantage of a deflated Leafs team and set the tone of that game. Leafs still lost the game, but not because they allowed the Habs to completely blow through them, they were in it the whole time. Ultimately, that's why Tom Wilson eventually did do what he did to Pavel Bichnevich and Artemi Panarin that night at the Garden. Because he knew that nobody would make him pay for it, and it let him set the tone for the remainder of that game. The Rangers wouldn't do anything for the rest of the game, and didn't do anything until the next night when they dropped gloves on the opening faceoff, and Brendan Smith fought Wilson later in the period. Jeez. It reminded me of that scene in Goon when Doug was suspended that one game and the captain, Gord, had to fight the villain of the movie Ross Ray. So don't think Wilson alone exposed how soft the Rangers are. Martin and the Islanders pretty much showed him he can do what he wants to them. It led to probably the biggest overreaction in the history of this team. Owner James Dolan fired team president John Davidson and general manager Jeff Gordon. It's weeks later, but it still hurts to think that JD was canned from this organization. Now, he rebounded fine, he got back his old job with the Columbus Blue Jackets, but just thinking about how loved JD is by the Garden Faithful to even this day, and how badly he won this job stings, especially when you consider that the Rangers were doing things right in his short time here. Gordon isn't nearly as popular with Ranger fans as JD, but the same can be said for him about his job rebuilding this team. I think they knew that this team was a little small and could be pushed around. They did draft some players like Braden Schneider, who was a very physical defenseman, and Will Coley was considered by many to be a clone of Tom Wilson. So it's not like JD and Gordon ignored this issue. 
They did address it in the draft. But apparently that wasn't good enough for good old James Dolan, whose hands-off approach worked for years for the Rangers. But he didn't fire everyone. Chris Jury is now the general manager of the team. If Gordon didn't get fired, it's safe to say Jury would have been snagged by someone else considering he's a well-respected guy around the league. But what can we expect him to do? Jack Eichel rumors have been swirling the entire year, but that doesn't solve the issue of this team being too soft. And trading for him is going to cost a lot. A guy like Matthew Kachuk could fill in that role of a tough guy that can also play the game. But can you really expect the Calgary Flames to let him go without a decent return? That's assuming he's even touching it. They could go the free agency route. A guy that comes to mind for me is Wayne Simmons. He's a seasoned vet who is known to scrap and put the puck in the net from time to time, but he'd be more of a short-term answer to the problem given his age. But speaking of guys on the Leafs, Zach Hyman plays a physical style of hockey that the Blue Shirts could benefit from and is much younger than Simmons. He too can scrap from time to time. Could Jury entice him to go from the biggest market in Canada to the biggest in the United States? It's certainly possible. It'll definitely add up in the cap if it gets done. And no, I don't want to hear Alex Ovechkin. As awesome as that would be, one, the Rangers already have a lot of right wings. Two, I'd see Ovi going back to Russia before leaving the Caps. I think Jury does make some kind of move this offseason. Because the firing of JD and Gordon showed that Dolan doesn't want to wait for guys like Schneider or Coley to develop in order for them to get tough. So, he has to do something. If he does make a move, I certainly hope it doesn't completely change the foundation of this core. But before Drury can make any roster moves, he needs a new coach. The team interviewed Gerard Gallant, who I was skeptic about at first, but now I hope they do sign him, and have interest in guys like Rich Tokett. And no, don't expect him to pry Rod Brindamore away from the Carolina Hurricanes. As awesome as that would be. David Quinn wasn't as bad as some people made him out to be. But in hindsight, this team can't afford to get off to a bad start with him next year when they could miss out on a guy like Gallant now. I don't like that they fired assistant coach Jacques Martin considering the complete 180 the defense had. But I understand a new coach is going to want to bring in his own guys. So yeah, this team just isn't ready yet. I think next season when things go back to normal, they will make the playoffs, but they are far from an elite team. But at the time of this video's release, I have no idea what management is going to do. As I mentioned before, the one silver lining to the firings of JD and Jeff Gordon is that Chris Jury is still in the organization. But what kind of moves will he make? Well, he said in his opening press conference nothing too drastic, which I hope is the case because I'm still optimistic about what this core can do. Sure, they'll need some strength and protection, and ultimately, I think they will find it, but they just were not ready this year. It's not their time yet. They'll be really good soon, but not yet. It reminds me of a scene from one of my favorite shows growing up, Samurai Jack. For those of you who don't know, Samurai Jack was a cartoon that ran for four seasons on Cartoon Network, first airing in 2001. After the fourth season, the show sat in limbo until 2017, when Adult Swim aired the fifth and final season. Don't worry, this analogy is going to make sense soon. But first, spoiler warning. The plot of this show is about a samurai who fights an evil demon named Aku that takes over his village. Jack is about to kill Aku, but before he can, Aku opens up a time portal and flings Jack into the future, where he can't stop him, and the series is Jack going through many adventures trying to find a way back to the past. The one instance this ranger season reminds me of is Jack vs. the Guardian. This episode, Jack fights the Guardian of a Time Portal. 
He has an epic battle against him, but as he usually does, he fails in the end. The Guardian is about to smash him with a boulder, but before he could, the portal basically spoke to him, telling him not to kill Jack. The Guardian lets Jack leave. He then says, You can't use it yet, Samurai Jack. He then looks inside the portal to see Jack's future, where he is a king and destined for great things. To me, the Rangers in this situation are Samurai Jack. And the Guardian is the NHL in the circumstances of this year which beat them and put them away. And the portal is the Stanley Cup playoffs. They can't go yet, but we all know they will be there eventually. And in a few years, they just might be the ones the rest of the league looks up to. You know, something like this. Fool, you will never gain entrance into- Understand. You can't make the playoffs yet, New York Rangers. Not yet. Not yet. Thank you very much for listening. If you made it this far, huge shout out to my friend and co-host Matt for making that clip. Probably a little painful because he is an Isles fan. Be sure to follow us on all our social media channels and wherever you get your podcasts. This is Jackknife. Have a wonderful night.